Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United WeCast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So I start every podcast by saying that it doesn't only involve the NBA, and that is true here. This involves the Olympics and Team USA's attempts to win gold. And if anyone tries to tell you that someone other than Drew Holiday was the key to Team USA's 97-78 win over Australia, earning them redemption and revenge for the exhibition game loss back on July 13th in Las Vegas. You remember that loss. That was the one, what, 91-83, that got everybody up in arms because Greg Popovich, the head coach, had the audacity to say that we got better tonight and we will learn from this. The loss was the second in a row by Team USA, and that had never happened since, oh, before 1992 when the Dream Team and NBA players were introduced to the Olympic model. But I tried to tell you at the time, the way this team needed to use exhibition games was not in just protecting the consecutive wins and the, the shiny record and all of that. They were put together on short notice because COVID issues pushed back the NBA season, finishing far later. As a result, Team USA, USA began practicing much later and much closer to when they needed to get ready to actually fly over to Tokyo for the Olympics. This, by the way, is why Pop doesn't suffer fools in the media. 
I'm all for challenging questions. I'm all for tough questions, whether it be a head coach or a player. But they also have to be questions that don't have a presumption included in them. It's a matter of help me understand why it is that you're doing what you're doing or you feel the way you do about a performance that I don't understand. And that's not the approach that Pop was getting during that time. And it was a difficult time. We're used to winning and we weren't. So on one hand, I get it for fans to react that way, not the media. In any case, they've come all the way around to a certain extent. I blame the media or the broadcasting in part for what I started this with, the presumption that Kevin Durant, who led in scoring 23 points, 10 for 19, or Devin Booker, second in scoring with 20 points on 7 for 10 shooting, were the catalysts of this win. And I sense that if it went in the right direction, that that might be the case. The problem is it wasn't going in the right direction at the beginning. Yes, Kevin Durant scored eight of the Team USA's 18 points in the first quarter. And I believe the broadcaster said at one point, KD is keeping them in it. He was also keeping them out of it because it was the KD show. And I don't know whether it was seeing Joe Ingles and Patty Mills and Matisse Thibel and guys that they're used to seeing, but it, it was a flashback to not how they played in beating Spain, where ball movement, player movement, getting everybody involved was the keynote to walking over Spain. But the start of this game was first KD looking for his shot on pull-ups, on threes, early in the clock, no ball movement, no player movement. And a few of them were going in. More of them were not early on. And nobody else was involved. And Australia, geeked up to the max, had an easy time defending. Yes, they got up into everybody and they were making ball movement difficult. But you don't give in to that pressure. And certainly Spain tried to do the same thing. And Team USA didn't give in to that pressure. So yes, KD was the only one who had it going on in the, in the first quarter. He was the only one who could have it going on in the first quarter. The difference came when Drew Holiday realized that Team USA was not making threes, that nobody else was getting involved, and that as well as KD was shooting in the mid-range, that that was not going to be enough to beat Team Australia. And so he made a concerted effort to say, I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to find my way into the paint, and I'm either scoring at the rim or I'm kicking it out. But it really had to be a determined attitude by Holiday because we were getting into the paint. Team USA was getting into the paint. But guys were getting into the paint and immediately looking to kick out. And so there wasn't enough fear or respect of shots being made at the rim to get Australia to collapse. Holiday started that. The turning point came with 3.23 left in the second quarter when Holiday got all the way to the rim, kicked it to the corner for Devin Booker to knock down a wide open, I mean nobody within 10 feet of him, three-pointer. 
That only cut the Australia lead to 10, 44-34. But it was the first three made by Team USA after missing their first nine shots. And one of the reasons they were missing those early shots is because they were dribble pull-ups early in the clock. The sequence that turned the tide occurred about midway through the second quarter when Drew Holiday decided, I'm going to back my way into the post. And I give credit to Vince Carter for making note of this because I was thinking the same thing as I watched. Like this perimeter swing, swing, everybody looking to do it on, the, on their own. This is not working. They need to find a way to get Australia to collapse because they were hugging up on the three-point line, contesting everything and doing a nice job of if somebody did dribble penetrate, cutting it off and then getting back. So they needed to change the dynamic. They needed to do something where it would force a double team that was harder than simply rotating. And Drew Holiday made it happen. It was about 4.13 left. Backed Patty Mills down, didn't make the bucket, but got fouled, went to the free throw line, hit one of two. That cut it to 10. Patty Mills made a tough contested three, and then Team USA came down. Drew Holiday did the same thing. It was almost like it was an aha moment. Oh, this is the way we need to play. Dribble penetrated, got all the way inside, kicked it down the baseline to Devin Booker for a wide open three. I mean, nobody within 10 feet of him open three. And he nailed it. Just brought the score back to 10. But it was huge because Team USA had missed, as I said, their first nine three-pointers. This was the first make. And you could just see everybody exhale. They only made one more. Uh, at that point in the second quarter before halftime. They were still down by three at the half. But the momentum had changed, and Drew Holiday was at the heart of that. His eight assists obviously led the team. He had plenty more where if it was a hockey assist, he probably would have had double that. He was also hitting the boards, eight rebounds, and which included four offensive rebounds. And at a time when Australia was trying to get back in it, he was the one who was setting up a shot, and if it was missed, getting it for a second opportunity. It just ultimately was crushing for Australia, which you saw at the end. I, f I found it interesting when the cameras focused on their bench, and they went down the line once the Australian coach had subbed out all of the starters, Joe Ingles and Matisse Thibel and Patty Mills. And they had tears in their eyes. It was emotional for them. A part of it, obviously, is you come in with high expectations. Joe Ingles said it going in the exhibition game. They expected to win that game. So I imagine they expected to win this one, too. And to not only lose, but to lose going away. It clearly meant a lot to them. And good on you, mate, as they say in Australia. I mean, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate guys who care that much. And I found it interesting that first thing I thought of was you, you never see that with the losing team in the finals. Now, I get it. 
It's your national team. You're playing for national pride. You're playing for your entire country. But when you're on an NBA team in the finals, I mean, look at how overjoyed the fans were in Milwaukee and Phoenix. What it means to an entire city and state, which in most cases is, is as big as some of the countries that Team USA is playing against. So I would just think that there might be more emotion in coming that close to delivering something that special. But I get the sense that there's something about being an NBA, being in the NBA, where you're expected to be a little more cool, reserved. Don't show your emotions. Think about how Rudy, Rudy Gobert got bagged on for his tears. I can't remember what it was. Not making the all-star team, which, all right, that, that deserves a little bagging for sure. Because I can't, I, I don't put making or not making the all-star team in the same category. Although, then again, if you're an international player, I would imagine, you know, flip it around. You're an American soccer player and you're making the all-Bundesliga team or you know, the all-English Premier League team. Might You might get emotional what it means, not just for you, but again, for your country. So I guess I could find my way to understanding why Rudy might have that kind of emotional response. But nonetheless, when we're talking about winning a championship, I just, I, anyway, I appreciate seeing guys that show emotionally how much it means to them to win and lose. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Watching the entire impact of KD, Andrew Holiday, their respective impacts on this game got me thinking back to Game 7 between the Bucks and the Nets. And I felt as if it mirrored that, where KD is going off, and it's impressive. I mean, look, his, his mid-range, his pull-up, his ability to score, he's the best scorer. I know people are going to give Steph Curry... Uh, that title, or some will, but KD at his size, at where his release is, that he can score inside and outside, his mid-range, the ease with which he can score, I just, I'm going to have to give him the nod. Steph Curry wins it on degree of difficulty, or is in the conversation, and because he's in the conversation and the degree of difficulty... If this was gymnastics, I think as I said in the last podcast, we'd, we'd give him extra points. He might win. He win, might win on the judges' cards, on technicalities. But that's not the case. So I'm giving KD that. But that's not a winning formula. That's the distinction. If you really understand the game, then you just don't look at 
the points scored by KD and say, well, he did his job. He got his 23. Everybody else needs to step up. Because if I'm everybody else, I'm like, I can't step up because you're dominating the ball. It's not moving. You're not, you're not scoring within the rhythm of everybody. You're scoring within the rhythm of you. Drew Holiday was the difference maker in terms of getting everybody else involved in adjusting his game, seeing that Team USA wasn't getting anything from anybody other than KD. And for himself, like, I'm not going to continue to shoot threes. We're not hitting threes. So I'm going to find another way to impact the game and did, which is pretty much what he did both in the Nets series in Game 7, and then moving forward against Phoenix, particularly as they closed them out. But all that led me to another thought, which is that, and this is somewhat of a shift for me, admittedly, is that if James Harden, maybe this is a big if, but if James Harden is healthy and fit, then, and Kyrie can be content as a third wheel, the Nets are going to be a tough out. I said last year that I thought they were a second round and out team, in part because I questioned their ability to play defense, in part because I just wondered, while I believed in the KD-James Harden combo, I just wondered if Kyrie was going to attempt to assert himself or insert himself into the program and that that was going to disrupt the flow. It still might. I still have a question about whether that is going to happen or not. But if KD has that playmaker, and I believe Harden is capable of being that playmaker, if he has that playmaker that can keep everybody involved while featuring KD, then I believe that that is the key to making the Nets really function at the highest level. They didn't have that with Harden compromised with his hamstring. Just He was just tr- out there trying to survive, trying to impact the game somehow, some way. But his ability to make plays for anybody else was not there. He wasn't trying to dominate because he clearly couldn't get his shot whenever he wanted. But he also was simply pat- moving the ball along rather than doing something to create and if he does that if he's capable of doing that then while i would still favor the bucks the nets are right there and the bucks cannot falter and Giannis needs to continue his upward trend of improving all right that does it for this somewhat disjointed episode of on the ball on the united wecast network I apologize if this is not as smooth as you're used to. I'm recording this after the Team USA win. It's very late. And before we get to find out who they're playing in the gold medal game between Slovenia, well, the semifinal game between Slovenia and France, before that's played, and we find out who Team USA is playing Friday in the gold medal game. In the next podcast, and I promise the next podcast will be smoother, but it's going to be a little bit different because I invited Matt Sullivan, former colleague of mine at Bleacher Report, 
He's an award-winning magazine writer and now a first-time author. He wrote the book Can't Knock the Hustle, Inside the Season of Protest, Pandemic, and Progress with the Brooklyn Nets Superstars of Tomorrow. I'm halfway through it. He gets some incredible access. It's obviously well-written. But we talked about what he learned from being around the Nets for a year. And he got tremendous access to Kyrie and KD and any number of people. Conducted something like 400 interviews in doing the book. And he had some very interesting things to say and some insights that I think you will find fascinating about Kyrie and the Nets and where he sees that team going forward and a reflection on all that has transpired over the last 10 years when it comes to player empowerment in particular. That will be the next podcast. And then we'll roll on and you'll get more of me on a regular basis. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 